Hola, listeners. Thank you for joining us for part two of our recorded live reading of the Appalachian Pinworks Poetry Reading at the Princeton Public Library. Featured in this podcast will be poets Beth and Steve Godfrey and former board member of West Virginia Writers, not to mention a professor at Bluefield College, Mr. Rob Merritt. We start things off with poetry from Beth Godfrey. Uh, I told Rob that I was going to write a poem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know it. it's not. It's not the life that you didn't live that you will remember. It's not the clothes that you don't wear that keep you warm. It's not the mouse that you didn't kill that's stinking up the house. It's not what you didn't hear that puts rhythm in your soul. It's not what you don't worship that forms your character. It's not the man that you didn't love that broke your heart. It's not what you don't feel that makes you share your love. It's not the mountain that you didn't climb that took your breath away. It's not the people that you don't meet that makes life interesting. <coughs> it's not the job that you don't have that pays the bills, gets you up in the morning, drains your mind, body, and spirit, and leaves you feeling like a wet noodle by 5 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's not meant to dwell on the things that are not. So take a hanky and wipe the snot. I wrote this one last year. This is my, not first poem I ever wrote, but first poem I wrote in probably 30, 40 years. <laughs> I sat down to, to write it and it just kept coming and coming and coming, so it turned into about like four pages. Anyway, it's a rhyme. It's called a Half Past Twelve. It was a half past twelve when the phone let out a scream. It pierced the night air and, inter- and interrupted my dream. As I opened my eyes and awoke from the dead, I could hear it again from the foot of my bed. Oh, mercy, my mate said with a fright. As I slid from the covers in the middle of the night, I thought, who could this be as my feet hit the floor? As if taking my breath, it rained once more. My family, I thought, can this I handle? as my toe got caught in the strap of a sandal. Forward I fell as if I were on drugs, right square on the cat asleep on the rug. It rings again as I pull up from the floor. How many is that as my face hits the door? My nose is in pain as I rub my sore head. Then my small toe finds the foot of the bed. I must remember, I must answer the phone. Someone may be hurt when a nail on the, on the wall caught hold of my shirt. I stepped on the lamp floor, on the floor lamp that crashed on the bed. What are you doing? My other half said. The phone, get the phone. I'm almost there as I leap like an elk to clear the chair. Landing on the far arm, the chair takes a fall and it and I are thrown to the wall. Now here I am up under the cushion where the phone again rings and I start pushing. The fight is on as I claw my way back. But my hair is caught on an upholstery tag. Once more rings come from the deep while I scramble to stand upon my feet. I get to my knees, and to my delight, I see the phone. It's now in my sight. I grab the receiver, and oh, what a grip. My joy is diminished as I hit my lip. (laughs) Hello, I, I say much louder than intended as I realize my body is overextended. That very instant, my balance is gone, and to my dismay, so is the phone. 
In the dark shadows, I hear a voice call. Hello? Hello? Can I speak to Paul? <laughs> Paul isn't here, I yelled across the door, laying on the unknown scattered on the floor. I make my way quickly for another session to answer this person who keeps asking the question. Saw we one number, I say with much grace, with pain in my body and blood on my face. He better be glad, she said in a hug. You're the fifth number tonight. I'm tired of this stuff. <laughs> now, I'm not sure why I said what I said. It could be from the bump on my head, but my mind quickly remembered a nursery rhyme that may have been written for such, for just such a time. With great effort, I tried to articulate what I thought to be the man's sure fate to the woman I said with my mind now dim, weave him a wall and he will come home <laughs> wagging his L behind him. I thought myself wise and cool under pressure as I thought of her pain to help was a pleasure. The phone's in its cradle and me on my feet. I leaped to the bed. I limped to the bed in silent retreat. Wanderer blunders when I remember a desperate woman in late September. How I survived, I cannot tell. The call I received at a half past twelve. <laughs> All those rhymes, not one of them was forced. <laughs> you know, which isn't easy to do. You know, for a while too. That's nice. Yeah, so did the thing that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Is that a true story? No. 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 <laughs> and I'm glad it wasn't. Because you'd be saying, who's Paul? Yeah. <laughs> who's Paul? Who is that? <laughs> Steve Godfrey is next. She's lighthearted and I'm the serious one. <laughs> Sometimes. I can't tell about looking at her. <laughs> I love that hat. This is my Rocky hat. I love Rocky, by the way. He's, you know, the overcomer, you know, the little guy. Uh, this is uh, one I just did and uh, just got it revised yesterday. I believe I already two or three. <clears throat> two of my new ones and another one's a few months old. This is, this is kind of an ongoing process here. This is about one of my friends. It's called the A word. Hard worker all your life. Build race cars for the drag strip. You can do almost anything. Plumbing, construction, electrical, a master locksmith. A golden heartbeat within your chest. A love for people and always a helping hand. Last year, you helped me with, with a brake job and almost ripped the pads off the wheel. Pulled out a 32 caliber and shot into my tree. <laughs> you have started the descent. You used to be as strong as a horse, but now forget to eat. It breaks my heart, Lord, to see my friend this way. The A word has crept up on him. Alzheimer's, that terrible, fearful word. My friend doesn't know what to do with himself. Denial. Denial, he's progressing so fast, forgetting how to use the phone, even counting. I hate the A word. My heart is bleeding profusely. He still knows me, but a month ago showed signs of not. Somebody help me to understand. It's not God's judgment hand. 
Nobody knows why it's this way. He wrecked his truck and doesn't acknowledge he was at fault. Oh God, what are we to do? Life is double tough when dealing with the ignorant. <laughs> I've read this a couple places. Uh, yeah, it was a very good revision. Uh, very good pointers. <laughs> uh, I've read this a couple places. This is like a tribute poem to the civil rights movement. And it's called, Lest We Forget. Let us not forget Selma, Alabama. Let us not forget Ebenezer Baptist Church. <clears throat> Let us not forget Martin Luther King. Let us not forget John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Let us not forget Medgar Evers. Let us not forget Ralph Abernathy. Let us not forget Rosa Parks. Let us not forget the Freedom Riders. Let us not forget fire hoses and German shepherds. Let us not forget times are changing. Let us not forget Robert Kennedy. Let us not forget three died in Mississippi. Let us not forget one million strong in Washington, D.C. Let us not forget where we have come from. Let us not forget the rights we have. Let us not forget the price that was paid. Let us not forget the history we have. Let us not forget for one single second. Let us not forget black and white together. Let us not forget, I have a dream. Since everybody's doing a little bit of rhyme, I might as well do a spirit. I got a little spiritual rhyme here I can read. It's called uh, Just to Be. To be wise is Solomon, Lord. To be wise is him. To make the correct decisions, to make them forever and again. To have the strength of mighty Samson, to pull the pillars down, to fight the battles strong and brave, to wear the winner's crown, to lead God's flock like Moses, to depend on God every day, to follow the great I am follow without delay, to have the heart of David, to sing the wonderful praise, to walk in God's footsteps, to be obedient all of our days. Well, <laughs> I'll read a rant poem. I read some rant poetry every now and then. Things that bother me, you know, Things I think that aren't right sometimes. But since we brought up the thing this earlier in the meeting, I mean the, the poetry reading about cussing, I wrote this. It's called Cuss If You Must. <laughs> Anybody can cuss. Whippy Wow, isn't that something? I've heard more cussing than Carter has liver pills. <laughs> Out of my mouth, in my house growing up in the Navy, where cussing is an art form. Wow, does that make you any, any bigger, more popular? Some people need it to write poetry. Think it's avant-garde. Anyone can cuss, dude. Parents can be taught to cuss. Wow, that's a no-brainer. The trick is to write and not cuss. <laughs> now that is poetry of the highest order. Just remember, anyone can cuss. <laughs> I don't know. I went to the... Uh, Asheville uh, Poetry Festival a few years back. And they had a guy like that up there and he yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, this one here was a true story. I used to smoke, I used to smoke three packs a day. I was a young man. And uh, 
So I, I kind of just wrote about it a couple months ago. It's called Cools Are Not Cool. <laughs> 22 years old, young buck, been smoking since 10. Three packs of Cools a day, yellow brown stains on hands, coughing up mucus, days on end. Spot on lung, size of a dime. 22 years old, scared to death. Coughing, coughing, coughing. My life is nothing but coughing. U.S. Navy said that I couldn't leave the military because of the dime on my lung. Roger Shorney, a friend, fellow swabby, gave up the butt, so I say, if he can do it, I can do it. Gave up the cools. And unawares to me, God worked a miracle, took the dime spot away. Almost 40 years ago, oh, happy day when Jesus took the dime away. <laughs> please, please, young people, stay away from the cancer stick. If you don't, it will make you sick. Rip your lungs out of your chest. Heed these words. Please do. That was, true. that was a true story. I mean, I was scared to death. They weren't going to let me come back home. And the dime spot went away, so draw whatever conclusion you may. <laughs> uh, this is a little, a little spiritual. I'll close out with this one. It's called Old Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, for great is the proclamation of the Lord God who governs the universe. The enemies seek destruction. But pray, but God says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The days are evil, no peace in sight. The wall is stained with many tears, and the cracks full of paper prayers of rabbis, soldiers, whoever. The wailing wall saw many wounded warriors that day. It was plain to see. There was no other way or a soft-spoken soft decree where Jerusalem's peace would lay. Very nice. The final poet of the reading and indeed the podcast is the aforementioned Mr. Rob Merritt. Rob is an excellent poet who I've known since joining West Virginia Writers nearly eight years ago. One of the poems he presented at the reading goes to prove that an audience can find their own meaning and enjoyment in a poem that might be contrary or, as in this case, surprising to the poet. During the course of this particular poem, members of the audience, myself included, found the imagery that Rob was conjuring to be quite funny. And it was. If I had read it on the page rather than hearing it, I would still have found it clever and humorous. But certain members of the audience, namely Mr. Salvatore Butacci, have an infectiousness to their laughter that helped amp up the rest of us to the point of interruption. That's right, I'm blaming Sal. I thought about trying to edit out the audience's laughter so you could experience the poem in its original form, but then thought, nah, hear it like it happened. You'll get the picture just fine. We turn things over now to Mr. Rob Merritt. I have a poem about the first time I really got into classical music. There was uh, this great coffee shop in Chapel Hill where I went to college, and they were always playing some kind of classical music at the time. I never really um, paid much attention to it, but one day I did. This is called Water Music Suite. The first classical music I ever noticed was in the Carolina Coffee Shop in 1971. We read Vonnegut and planned utopian voyages and communes in Vermont. Water music, said the waitress. I rushed out to buy the record, listened to it in my bungalow, and I read about Handel, 
1717, composing the suite for George I on a garlanded barge floating from Whitehall, Whitehall to Chelsea. Fifty instruments telling him the empire is good. <laughs> all sunlight on the surface of the Thames, all sunlight on the surface of the room where I listened. I read about a London exhibit in which the dredgings from the river were arranged on shelves. There were like nails, tonic bottles, swords, lockets, pistols, badges, bones, chains, hard refuse scooped from muck into light, encrusted with the chronology of abandonment. Warming his German blood upon the July River, Handel, blindness impending, composed in F major, so that in college I could discover Baroque music and envision the end of war and prejudice over waffles and coffee. <laughs> Must be good waffles. Yeah. Good music. I, um, after I graduated from college and messed around for a while, I decided I wanted to go to the West Coast. So I just drove out to Oregon and I lived there for several years. I didn't really know anybody. But I really just got into the landscape. And um, when I started really writing poetry more recently, I mean, now it's been about 20 years ago, but anyway, um, for some reason I really wanted to write about th those times, that, which was like 20 years before that. Um, and like I always tell my students, I should. You should keep a. Do you want to come in? Come on in and join us. Yeah, I'm just here to listen. Uh, I always tell my students to keep a journal, but I, I never really do it myself. But for some reason, I did when I was there. So I had a, all this material uh, that was quite old when I looked at it. So really, it was kind of inspiring. So. I have a couple, a couple poems about that. Um, when I was driving there, I came, I don't know how I got on these back roads, but I came in from, from over the, um, you know, from, uh, let's see, the eastern side. And I was, you know, a lot of Oregon is desert, like this uh, volcanic, you know, to dry debris. And I, I was going, this is not what I was expecting. And then, <laughs> I set up my tent, you know, it was late at night. I woke up the next morning, I just came out, and there was these snow-covered mountains way right in the distance. It was unbelievable. Um, and one of those mountains was called the Three Sisters. There were three snow-covered peaks in them. Even there's a town called Sisters. And I, I love that name. Anyway. So I'm calling this West of the Jagged Peaks of Sisters. I climbed among the fossil beds of eastern Oregon and bathed in the Silver River and built fires in the Piney Mountains. Flannel shirt evenings in July, the snow-tipped peaks of the Three Sisters, jagged, serene, had guided me. And then I drove into the Willamette Valley. Her name was Greenwood, really. She, and she knew that landscape the way the three sisters knew the snow upon them. She pulled me from the used bookstores of Eugene and took me in her car to roam the hills, fishing poles always in the trunk. 
The wind jangled her silver and turquoise bracelets on the narrow roads, connecting Cottage Grove and Goshen and Lowell and Dorina and Bear Mountain. Sure, I went with her. Guided journey through river-ridden landscapes, we cooked trout at dusk, looking down on the lake while the valley burned for grass seed harvest behind us. One day, driving out McKenzie Highway beyond Blue River, she told me that her son stayed in a cabin nearby at Cougar Reservoir. His baby lived in a big white house in Portland with a view of Rose Gardens. We did not stop. We liked to listen to jazz, and on the day that Paul Desmond died, we stopped at a roadside pool <coughs> hall near Cresswell, empty at three in the afternoon, and played nine ball as sunlit, sunlight underlined the back door. She told me about singing to the serene haze on an L.A. fire escape when she was 16, sky high on heroin. She and Paul Desmond, cool before a main line of heartache, at this world's refusal to remain as pure as those three snow-tipped peaks of sisters above the deserts of Oregon. Uh, I, uh, I had a friend I still communicate with, and he had this little motorboat, and he would he, he like to take it out in the river and stuff. Get in the boat and just ride, ride along the river, um, uh, sort of between Eugene, where I was, and the um, Florence was the town on the coast. This is called "Dead Trees Continue to Gesture." On the road to camp north of Diamond Lake, I stopped at a cafe to listen to woodcutters tell sawmill men about the end of timber and the impending groves of silence. That morning, I'd launched my boat at Mapleton and drifted, motor idling, towards Cushman and Florence. I waited for salmon to flash between me and the endless ranks of logs on the Suislaw River. I stopped to investigate a vacant house, Riverside. Newspapers nailed to plank walls, no glass, no bricks, no path leading inland. Bottle, box of candle stubs, sodden mattresses, a baby's rattle. This timberland provides no stone for hearth pillow. Only slow, warping boards and nails letting go. Dead trees continue to gesture beyond the forest. Back on the river, I walked on the logs jammed into a cut in the bank and then headed for the dunes at Silt Coos, where eons ago, sand rose around pines. Then those trees rotted and left buried shoots to swallow travelers. <laughs> Vain hollows permeate the sand strata beside the sea. Dead trees continue to gesture beyond the forest. Last spring, on my way to the lodge where Zane Gray spent summers, I, lost, drove over an ice mountaintop and nearly skidded into a clear-cutting operation. Bare hills rushing the horizon, gone trees still gesture. Thank you. Thank you.
Then I went back to Oregon a few years ago to a conference in Portland. Every day in Oregon, under the Riverside Marriott in Portland, lies a ghost land where Japanese Americans cooked, sang, made families, lost money and love until they were expelled to internment camps in Oklahoma, leaving neighborhoods of open doors. Now I drink Starbucks upon exiled cultures of 1942. Those people left their beds, but they bagged belongings to transplant. If you had 10 minutes to gather possessions, what would you take? Your cat, tea, notebooks, and all-weather parka? Light, dried fruit, haiku, pearls, pictures of your mother and father young? Every day, store images from the home you will leave. Something you have lost mourns you. Name the place, the person, the object. Then journey to refine. I rush along Portland's cobblestone evening until I locate a shop with fossilized fish skeletons and rock because I want to offer you a design to hold homelands. We may take questions with us into exile. How do we repair this world? The last trains run at 2 a.m. I walk back to the Marriott, above 10,000 stories, demarking the return trail laid down by refugees. Very yeah. nice. I think inside the body, there's a lot of memories that are stored in there. I'm not sure if this is scientific or pseudo-scientific. It might just be a memorism. Uh, psychic or what? Um, but this is true. I went to a, I think the person was called a reflexologist. And she, I don't know, did, she had these stories to tell me. Or did I make it up? Did they start coming up? <laughs> Bone music. In a sunny room high over a quiet street, the reflexologist tells me, trust your body's memory. Your bones are an encyclopedia of cul-de-sacs where your soul has slept on the way to here. She opens a bottle of jasmine oil and rubs my temple. I feel my skull heat her hands. I smell flower petals unfurling in rain. You do not believe you exist, she says. You have felt so since the moment of conception. You were an outsider even in the womb. <laughs> I remember my parents. Old. She lifts my knee and will not relax. You have been a prophet. 4,000 years ago, you exhorted the tribe to carry tents. <laughs> You exhort the tribe to carry tents to the high meadows. Instead, they worshiped in the desert and waited for rain. My elbow will not unlock. <laughs> At Beth Nimrod, she tells me, you needed dough upon a rock <laughs> and hit a maiden in your bread shop <laughs> while the caravan proceeded toward the River Jordan in a blinding sunset. 
She feels the knot in my sacrum. You have been a guardian offering asylum. <laughs> This is good. It's very good. <laughs> I really didn't know this was funny. <laughs> You've been a garden, guardian offering asylum to the Greek algebraicists when Mongols stampeded the libraries with flaming swords. She hovers over my solar plexus as a troubadour in Provence. You taught your daughter to play the lute and dance the sarabon. Villagers threw gold coins when your troop passed. Some dread has waylaid you in this life. Know this, you need not inhabit shadow. In your marrow, music from a festival in Amsterdam. <laughs> 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 You're crying, and I'm like... <laughs> Better than laughter. Yeah. Music... <laughs> From the festival in Amsterdam where you and Spinoza translated Os Musica as bone music. Do you remember? When you remember, remember deep and feel the shadows peel back one life at a time. And I walk out upon the street, sun rays on my phone. <laughs> I think it was great. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, no bones about it either. <laughs> so the last one, a friend of mine named Steve, we went to, I guess, elementary school together. And then we didn't see each other for a long time. And we got back together and it turned out he was a poet the whole time. We didn't even know we had any interest in that whatsoever. And uh, he told me this story, which I'm relating here a little bit about. Uh, we had this English teacher. I mean, yeah, I just thought it was another boring English teacher. I didn't really. But it turned out this person had been a great friend to my my friend who had a pretty rough life with his family life, and his father was an alcoholic and things like that. And so um, I just it was just what a different perspective on my own past I got by talking to this friend. Where to put what breaks? The, uh, the Biographical Literary is a book by um, Samuel Coleridge. You read the Biographical Literary in Mr. Shirley's cabin while snow barricaded the door. Our English teacher saw you needed solitude and words no other seventh grader could follow unless he were avoiding a father who spent nights in the basement building dependable bookshelves, solid with dowels. Now you have made two books, poems by the tough, growing way. Your father would have recognized the backyards and shopping centers and broken holidays. You lived those poems in Shirley's cabin, renailing the chair, replacing a smashed pane. You harmonized discord and came into sunshine and melting snow paying attention to patterns of breakage, bowls shattered into parallelograms, glass splintered into lightning bolts, like promises fragmenting in winter midnight. Thank you.
that wraps things up for the recorded live poetry reading at the Princeton Public Library here in Mercer County. I'd like to thank the Appalachian Penworks for letting me come and record that. Hope to get back and record more in the future. A fun group of poets. If you're at all entertaining the idea of coming to West Virginia Writers Summer Conference this very summer, in fact, it's June 10th, 11th, and 12th at Cedar Lakes in Ripley, you might want to be checking our website in the coming days because we have some pretty major announcements that will be unfolding, not the least of which are the details on the pitch sessions with publisher Ben Leroy and literary agent Catherine Sands. That's wvwriters.org. Our opening voiceover was provided by Marcus Vowell. Our show's theme music is used with permission by its composer, Pops Walker, whose albums can be found at cdbaby.com. This podcast is a production of Mr. Herman's Production Company Limited and was recorded atop a hill in Mercer County.